What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 57. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, I've been doing a lot of drafting. Some of it has even been AFR. So <laughs> I'm pretty excited to actually get to do one with you. Uh, and hopefully with our powers combined, it'll go a little bit better than we've both been faring so far. Yeah, I think we tend to do better. Or at least I tend to draft better when you're backseat drafting with me so uh we'll see how that goes that is of course that that does mean that this week is our afr live draft episode so hopefully you guys can sit back enjoy this full draft from us and of course be sure to check the episode description for the 17 lands link for the full draft as well as a deck build and of course we'll have this up on youtube as well before we get into the draft, though, of course, we have our usual reminders at the beginning of the episode. Check out the Discord if you're not in it already. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And uh, we'd really like to see you in there and chat with you and just talk about AFR and all things limited, as well as some different constructed things going on over there as well. And if you want to give back to the show or support us, the best way to do that is over at the Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash pod. Perks include things like stickers, show notes, unedited recordings of the episodes, our draft chaff uh, cards, which we're going to be adding to the Patreon upcoming with our next draft chaff hero. Uh, you, that's right, you'll get a signed copy of our draft chaff hero um, for that time period when you when you subscribe or you become a patron. So that is a new perk coming, and we've got a few other things coming. Things that might include private channels on Discord. Uh, a handful of other stuff that we'll be rolling out throughout the rest of the year so definitely check out the patreon if you haven't already or if you have and didn't see things you liked we're going to be adding to it so check that out we are beyond grateful for all those supporting us and we really can't thank all of you enough all right we're going to skip the crack and draft type thing this week we do have an entire draft to crack so uh you know we'll skip that one for now ben why don't you get us through the teferi tybalt right so for those that are new we're just going to share a high and a low from the past week so Zach and I have pretty similar highs. My my Teferi is that, uh, well, pre-release was amazing. We had a lot of fun. Zach and I got to go to an in-person pre-release uh, at the Bearded Dragon in New Jersey. If anybody is in that that area, fantastic game store. They're always doing good stuff there. Uh, I, I think we both had a, a pretty good time overall. Uh, I went 3-1 with red-white equipment. Uh, it was rather exciting deck. I didn't really get too many <laughs> good rares, as was kind of the theme of the night, but uh, it was still a good time. And uh, I, I, I want to share a, one little story from this, but I think it'd be better if, if you talk about your uh, your perspective on pre-release first. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, also part of my Teferi, and we'll, we'll jump back to your Tybalt in a minute, but uh, that was also part of my Teferi. Pre-release was absolute gas. We both went to the same store, as Ben mentioned. Uh, it's kind of our usual thing, pre-covid like we always pre-release together one in one place or another and so it was really nice to get back to that do an actual in-person pre-release it felt very safe i didn't feel you know i think i mean part of that's probably just the vaccination thing but everybody was masked so it wasn't really a big deal and it was a lot of fun um i had a mediocre green uh, sorry mediocre black white pool but I also had an equal amount of solid green cards to the white cards, like a 14 and 14. I could easily swap the two out and keep the black shell. So I actually did that. I went, uh, I lost round one to an amazing red-white aggro deck. 
had Nadar, had Adult Gold Dragon. Uh, Tyler, if you're listening, great games. Um, but yeah, I lost there, and then I swapped the white out for the green package. And I played a really fun game against the green-white deck in round two. Uh, lost the match in game three due to me misreading Sphere of... What is it? Sphere of Annihilation, I think. And I didn't realize that it exiles itself. So I was just like, well, all my creatures are getting exiled every turn. I guess I can't win as my (laughs) opponent slammed a... uh, As as Marshall's Twitch chat has come to call... uh, What is it? The the, the giant? The hill gorger giant? They call him Gorgeous George. So (laughs) he slammed a Gorgeous George. And, you know, uh, I was like, well, uh, all of my stuff's going to get exiled now because the sphere's here and I can't win. So good games. Good luck in your next round. And then after the fact, Ben was like, dude, it exiles itself. You're an idiot. And I was like, oh, <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, that's a thing. But overall, super fun night. Um, and then, yeah, of course, it was topped off by this cool this cool event. But I actually ran into an old coworker of mine, which is really, really fun. Did not expect to see him around, and it was great to catch up with him as well. And he actually was kind of tied into this story a little bit. But I'll let Ben Ben run with the uh, with the story. Yeah, so uh, mid-round, there was somebody going around asking around if anybody had opened a mink. Minsk? Minsk. Minsk. Minsk, Minsk. right? Yes. Minsk. Uh, Of course, the the dude that comes in and makes a legendary boo. And she was just saying, like, she just really wanted one. I don't don't know if it was for Commander. I think she mentioned she had a pet hamster and that she just kind of wanted it for, like, the aesthetic of it. It's going to go to definitely a good cause. But uh, fortunately, neither of us did. Of course. Uh, then as we were leaving, I was cracking some of the packs that I won. And uh, what do I notice but a Minsk, like right there, uh, right in the back of the pack. Well, at that point, we were already in my car and it was a bit of a walk from the game store. But I was like, wait a minute. Do you think your friend and, and that group are still there? Because Zach's friend was part of that group that, that she was with. And uh, he was like, well, I don't know. Why don't we just go check? So I floored it back to the game store, uh, hopped out. And turns out the whole group was there. I ran up and I was like, you wanted the Minsk, right? And it made her night. Her friends were all like laughing about it. She was having a great time. So that that's what really makes a pre-release good. Oh, yeah. It's stories like that. Every time we walk away from an event of some kind, we seem to have some kind of story. You know, our first GP, there was that group, that two-headed giant group at the end that like didn't want to play us or only wanted to play us and we wanted to leave. And then we crushed them and they were rude about it. And it was a whole thing. And then <laughs> our second GP, we had that amazing deck and it was on my birthday and we made it to the finals and stuff and then this it's just i don't know it's just awesome uh and i i miss that you know we've, we've talked a lot about how we we've entered into this sort of era of magic playing where a lot i would say probably the majority of magic players at this point haven't really played too much in person maybe a majority is not accurate but i feel like a lot of players these days have not actually played a paper event yeah, and yeah. there's a huge aspect of the game that's missing when you haven't gotten that experience because the community is is really great, especially when you when you get into an event where the people are genuinely great. And this one was one of those. There were a lot of really awesome people at this event. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm playing in person, I have to remind myself not to just look down at my opponent's board state and like actually look up at my opponent. Because when you're playing online, you don't have the opportunity to do that. <laughs> you gotta you gotta make sure you have some human to human interaction uh, while while at these things. But uh, yeah, for sure. Kind of on the opposite end, opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, I did a lot of ZNR drafting now i'm i'm off right now because i'm a teacher so i've had nothing but free time uh, in the last 48 hours i have trophied six times in znr and the rest have been pretty good too so i have been uh just kind of farming gems off of the the znr cues it's one of my all-time favorite formats especially on arena 
I know it's a quick draft. It's a little whatever, but I've got the I've got the algorithm down, and uh, I've been up hovering in the top like thirty or so mythic rank. Uh, I was floating around at number seven for a while, and like I couldn't get past number seven. So I think the top six must be uh, hard to break into. But I, I'm down to I think twenty seven now. But after this, I'll probably fire another one and get right back up there. Uh, but well, wow, anyway, rags, bro. beware. <laughs> I know I'm saying this uh, just like if you want to join the ZNRQ enter at your own risk um, I'm going nuts in there nice anyway uh, my Tibble not loving AFR uh, that's probably why I'm playing so much ZNR uh, adventures it's got a lot of interesting things going for it and we're starting to learn more about the format now I don't know I'll keep giving it more chances I haven't gotten to play all the cards yet but this one's just not really doing it for me what's up with you this week yeah, so obviously uh, pre-release was awesome. I've been reading a lot, which has been cool. Like I used to like to read a lot and uh, mostly was reading uh, a lot of fiction, but lately I've been reading a lot of nonfiction and really enjoying it. I'm on this challenge. I started a challenge, uh, I think last week, where I told myself I'm going to read a book a day, which obviously is extremely, extremely aggressive. Yeah, and I-, I tend to like to set goals that are like, that I expect to be kind of out of reach because in my opinion, you can't really learn unless you fail. Like success doesn't teach anywhere near as much as failure does. So we've been doing really well at that with AFR. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, you know, I failed that challenge in the first night, but what it has enabled me to do is now I'm on a read a book a week challenge and that has been very manageable. Uh And I realized like that's kind of the sweet spot is like I can finish a book a week and have it not actually take up too much time. And obviously if I'm not enjoying it, that I'm not reading, but, um, quick little shameless plug. I am reviewing all of the books that I've been reading as part of this challenge on my blog. So check that out. Wayfarersjournal.com. Also, I'm going on vacation next week. I'm going to Germany, which is like a huge vacation. It's into a different country. Yeah. And right now with all the COVID stuff going on, that's a little bit frightening, but also really exciting. So hopefully we stay safe and travels are all, all good. We have a layover in Lisbon, which is in Portugal. So that's interesting. And now we've got to kind of deal with multiple countries of COVID restrictions. So that's like a whole a whole thing, because even though we're not staying in Lisbon, we have a layover there. So it technically counts because we touched down in their, in their territory. So uh, we have to abide by their restrictions as well. But it sounds like we won't have to quarantine either of the two places which is perfect because if we have to quarantine in Lisbon, we would not be able to go to Germany because it's a one-week trip and quarantine is more than one week. That'd be bad, yeah. Yeah, that would be awful. But um, no, that's it, that's not the case. We're both vaccinated, so with with our vaccination cards and stuff, we'll be we'll be just fine. So that's super sweet. We're very excited, my wife and I, and um, it's gonna be gonna be an awesome trip. My Tybalt is that yeah, for me, AFR has been less than ideal as well. But it's funny because this is a set that I haven't actually enjoyed drafting myself very much. And I think that's probably very, very strongly tied to my win rate. But I have really enjoyed watching other folks play it. Like the videos I've seen online on like Channel Channel Fireball, the streams that I've caught, they've been really good. And I I don't Mm -hmm. know what the disconnect is there. Maybe it's that these drafters are just better than me and they are putting better decks together so their games are more interesting. But I don't know. It's it's been very, very fun to watch. But if you're asking whether like... LSV is better than us. Well, of course. Uh, I got bad news for you. <laughs> no, I guess I guess what I mean is I don't know if that's the only reason. Obviously, these people are better than me. Most of the people I've been watching have been LSV, Marshall, and Ben Warney from uh, Lords of Limited, and all three of those folks are better than me at Magic. So that's definitely a component. I just don't know if that's the only component. Well, maybe we can turn that luck around with uh, with this live draft. Yeah, we'll give it a shot. 
Before that, our listener question of the week. This one comes from Andy in the Discord, and Andy asks, favorite card from the new set for whatever reason? For Andy, it might be Trellisara, just one of those cards that when they saw they loved and not really sure why. That was a fun one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tiger Tribe Hunter. I know that's funny because I was kind of down on it in our initial review, but it turns out a 4-4 Trample is actually just a pretty good body to have. It enables pack tactics almost entirely by itself. All you need is a little 2-2 to, to help you along. And apparently that, that repeatable sack outlet is a lot better than we thought. First of all, it pairs really well with black-red sack, which seems to be one of the best uh, decks in the format, if not the ac- actual best. Uh, the fact that you can uh, control magic a creature and then fling it right back at your opponent, really strong. Uh, it also pairs really well with just drawing little dorky creatures in the late game. I think it was LSV that described it on one of his set reviews as anytime you draw a 2-mana 3-1 in the late game, it just becomes a lightning strike. And ever since I thought about that, I was like, wait a minute, that's a lot better. Uh, I really like this card after all. It's it's becoming one of my pet cards, uh, definitely. How about you? For me, this hands down comes from pre-release, but Reaper's Talisman. No no question, oh. Reaper's Talisman is my favorite card in the set. Oh, yeah. There's something about just the functionality of it. Like, it's so useful, but it's not just like... It requires a little bit of work, right? Like, you have to have a creature to put it on. You have to have a creature that can actually attack well. But it gives the creature mm-hmm. death touch. It does the drain thing, so even when you're attacking, you don't feel like you're putting yourself behind by doing so. A couple of them is just lights out. Like, I in pre-release, I had two of them at- equipped to a Ranger's Hawk, and it's just like, okay... All right, we're doing it. So, yeah, love that card. Yeah, that one is pretty brutal to see on the other side, especially paired with, you know, anything that can attack. But yeah. uh, your your deck was sick. It had like didn't have two talismans and two hawks. Yeah. Well, that when I had the white package it did, but uh, I didn't actually keep the white package for that long. <laughs> well, still pretty busted. Yeah. Anyway, why don't we get into the draft itself? For sure. Oh man. All right. Fire so, away. I'm going to do this in best of three you can see this you can record this right mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna do best of three best of one has felt a little i don't know a little spiky i like the flexibility of best of three and i think i'm trying to get back into this mode now that in-person stuff is happening again because for those that don't know in person is always best of three and i hope it stays like that for a long time yeah that would be i think that would be preferable across the board if you're there for an event i mean you're going there, so you, you should have some time sl- slotted out. I think the main reason best of one is so enticing, right, is that you can just fire up a quick match, and it doesn't take an hour. But when mm-hmm. you're there in person, you know, that's that's part of the fun of it. You're there for the event, and uh, you want to get the most out of it while you're there. It's like we've got a full eight ready. What are we hoping to open? Uh, Imrith, I think, is probably my just, like, number one want to see in the pack. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, we don't, we don't get an Imrith, but we do get another... Uh, Mythic, we got the Grand Master of Flowers here. Also in the pack, there's uh, Dungeon Crawler, Green Dragon, Hobgoblin Captain, but I'm I'm not even going to talk about the rest of it. Grand Master of Flowers is awesome. Yeah, there's also a Steadfast Paladin in there, which I really like, but this next pack, we have Atasha City's Laughter, Lurking Roper, Cridal of Baldur's Gate, Celestial Unicorn, Precipitous Drop. Mm-hmm. We don't have a whole lot as far as the white is concerned. There's a Null Hunter yeah. as well, which I like to see, but I might actually... So this is this is where you get into a question about marrying your first pick. Obviously, Grandmaster Flowers is a fantastic card, so I would be mm-hmm. inclined to try to go with like some of the life gain stuff. Maybe take the Celestial Unicorn because it stays mono white, or take the Roper because white green is like a, a pretty solid archetype. And I don't think the Grandmaster works super well with 
the uh, red white aggro plan, mm-hmm. but you're kind of marrying that first pick and maybe Roper is just the best card in the pack right now. Yeah, I think I'm on the Roper here. It's also a fantastic blocker for setting up the Grandmaster of Flowers. I like Knoll Hunter a good amount too, but uh, and I'm not taking Cradle, although I think it's probably the strongest card in the pack. Now let's just take the Roper and see what happens. Well, all right. Well, in the third pack here, we see a Wandering Travador, Shester Death Whisper, uh, Dwarfhold Champion, Charmed Sleep, some other stuff, uh, some green that looks like it's coming our way. Green definitely looks open here. And uh, uh, right now, I'm just really not seeing a lot of red in this pack. There's an Armory Veteran, but that's it. I'm going to take the Troubadour, though, because this card, every time it's in play, it feels like you're getting away with something. Yeah, for sure. And that's a great litmus test for a card that is worth putting in your deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is going on here? We have pack four. We spy a deck of many things. Have you played with this one? Because I have not. I haven't yet, but this seems like a perfect opportunity to, especially if you're in the life gain deck. Like you can kind of afford to take the the you know the turn off basically to play this on five, and that feels fine. Otherwise, in this pack, we see Dawn Singer cleric. We see, or is it Dawn Bringer? I think it's Dawn Bringer. Uh, yeah. Devouted Paladin. A Drider, which has been a fantastic card. There's also an Improvised Weaponry, which I do like quite a bit, but can feel awkward. I don't know. Why not just slam the Mythic here and see what happens? Oh, yeah. We're going multiple Mythics on this draft. Look, if you want to go hear about the right pick to take, just go watch LR or something. But We're here to fun and win. So here in pack five, we've got a Power of Persuasion. Uh, that's uh, an uncommon that's in this pack still. we got a Wild Shape in here, which I don't think is the best. Honestly, there's only one card in this pack that I'm really interested in, and it's the Sylvan Shepherd. Agreed. I think it pairs really well with the Lurking Roper and also can buy us time to hit that stuff off. Isn't the deck of many things? So just reading this real quick. Let me just reserve the, the Shepherd. So the deck of many things is five mana. You pay two, roll d20, and subtract the number of cards in your hand. If the result is zero or less, discard your hand. So you, you want to use this with almost nothing in your hand. So it's a top end card. That's fine. Yeah. But then one through nine, you return a card at random from your graveyard to your hand. Okay. 10 to 19, draw two. Okay, also pretty good. And 20, you put a creature card from any graveyard under the battlefield under your control. When that creature dies, its owner loses the game. Yeah. You steal one of your opponent's creatures, and then they can never kill it, or else they lose. Yes. So, ooh, now here in pick six, we see green is absent from this pack. We see you have some, you find some prisoners. There's a ranger's hawk. There's an air cult elemental, a Faraday's fireball, unexpected windfall, and then some nonsense artifacts. I think it's just a little cut in this pack. I'm happy to take the Hawk uh, and kind of commit to staying a little bit more white. Uh, We could also take the Fireball, but this pack is pretty weak overall. I'm not really excited about anything in here, right? Yeah, it's also worth noting, like, we aren't necessarily playing white here. Like, our only white card other Mm -hmm. than the Hawk is the Grandmaster Flowers, which might be splashable depending on what else we end up in. Into pick seven, we see a Dueling Rapier, Earth Cult Elemental, Null Hunter... The the two two for three wolf bullet devoted paladin yeah I mean I like the two drop uh Ben has null hunter selected here and I like I like getting a two drop down now while we have it and null hunter is a great one it it does scale with the game uh it doesn't really fit the green white deck as well as some other two drops but you know it's perfectly serviceable yeah I think we're just gonna try to stick our flag in green white here. And, you know, we're still getting cards. Uh, I think the last few packs just were a little dry on green. Here we have a half-elf monk, uh, an inspiring bard, which I found a little bit better than I thought it would be. Turns out a 3-3 is just something you want to have on board. 
there's a scaled herbalist, which I don't think is playable. There's an eyes of the, of the beholder. I've seen this kind of floating around. I mean, when sometimes your opponent's best threat is like a 2-2 or a 2-1, eyes of the beholder just kind of looks dumb. I'll take the bard here. Yeah, I, I, I actually am between the bard and the half-elf cleric or half-elf monk because monk pairs really well against most other things in this format but that's fine um and we just got past the pick nine steadfast paladin which might be white's best common uh, a two mana two two lifelink in this format is actually super significant and especially in like the red white decks where you can equip it up like crazy and make it massive and you know swinging for massive amounts of life uh, it's pretty great in this sort of pseudo lifelink life gain shell it's going to be pretty solid and again two drops in this format are a premium yeah, notably, this is the pack that we opened, and it came all the way back around to us. Wow, the Celestial Unicorn also wield. I think that's a pretty good sign. It looks like the Green-White Life Gain deck is open, but nobody else is... Uh, I think we just haven't really got too much fun stuff from it. There's a Delver's Torch, Brazen Dwarf, Compelled Duel, and Spike Pit Trap left in this pack. Easy Unicorn, right? Yeah. I've seen Spike Pit Trap be played a few times, but I haven't been super impressed with it overall. Wow, in case we were wondering if our colors are open, last four cards in the pack are your Ambush on the Road, Bullet... Direwolf Prowler, Inspiring Bard. I like the Prowler here. I guess Prowler's fine. I probably would just take the Bard, though, with the uh, life gain synergies, but... Uh, sure. Those are all pretty flat and power level. Here we've got a Devoted Paladin. You see a Guard Approach, Brazen Dwarf. I'm going to take the Paladin, but I'm going to put it in the sideboard. I, I haven't loved this card. It's a lot yeah, of mana exactly what our, something. Yeah, it's not exactly what our deck wants to do right now. Some junk at the end, a Paladin Shield that I'll grab, and then last pick, Great Axe. Pack two, what have we got? Oh my gosh. Oh, well, it looks like our... <laughs> Our luck continues. We've got a Varus Silvery Moon Ranger. I adore this card. It's one of my favorites. There's also a Skullport Merchant, Burning Hands, Rust Monster, Aerocall Elemental, the Alpha Beholder, Precipitous Drop. We're going to try to wield the Elder God Ranger, probably, yeah. uh, or maybe the Inspiring Bard. I like Elder God Ranger quite a bit. And uh, slamming the Varus here, of course. Yeah, easy Varus there. <laughs> it looks like, uh, looks like green is indeed open from the other direction, so hopefully we get hooked up this pack. We've got past a layer of the Hydra, which I think is... One of the better man lands. There's also a hulking bugbear, a Kalein reclusive painter, which uh, parts of the best deck in the format, the black red deck. Kalein is probably the scariest two drop to see at any given time. There's a Valor Singer. There's a Circle the Moon Druid, uh, Gloom Stalker, Dawnbringer Cleric. But none of these are as fun as the Lair of the Hydra. We're just rare drafting green white, aren't we? I guess I don't think I would have <laughs> taken. I don't think I would have taken the Lair there, but that's that's fine. Uh, we did get past another rare in Flump, an on-color rare. We can, we can keep like rare drafting. I mean, is is the pick here? I don't think it's amazing. Like it, it helps your opponent draw cards. You can choose when they do so. So like, like you don't have to block. But I think I'd rather just take the Elder Guard Ranger here. Flump might just wheel, and I know we <laughs> yeah. are waiting on an, on a Ranger to wheel already, but. Like, it'd be nice to just take it and be done and not have to worry about the yeah, other one wheeling. No, I've like, been doing we're not a lot of passing thinking about by, by getting, getting, giving up the flump. I've been thinking a lot about those kind of symmetrical effects. Uh, oh, oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. We've got, a, we've got a teleportation circle in the building. Now, we don't have too many good payoffs with this yet, but I am in to start drafting around teleportation circle. It pairs super well with the Inspiring Bard and the Elder Guard Ranger. So I, this is Green White Rare Draft, dude. Slam the circle here. Uh, there was some other stuff in that pack, but uh, none of it was particularly interesting. <laughs> Speaking of teleportation circle targets, Cloister Gargoyle is in the pack here, which is mm -hmm. a great target for that spell. There's also Displacer Beast, which is another great one, but they functionally do the same thing, and one's in our colors. So. Yep. Also in the pack, there's a Dwarf Hold Champion, Half Elf Monk, your Ambush on the Road. Um, 
lot of junk. Feign death, you find the villain's lair, unexpected windfall. And these core sets, man, they just they just feel like they have a bunch of nonsense floating around in them. Anyway, I was talking about Flump, um, because the same thing happens in ZNR, the 3-3 that draws both you and your opponent in a card. Wow, we could take a, an orb of dragon kind if we really wanted to keep rare drafting in our next pack here. Something particularly interesting in this pack. There's 50 feet of rope, which uh, I don't love. Uh, Air Cult Elemental... Shocking Grasp, Rune of Speed, Dueling Rapier, some good red cards, but uh, I'll take the Delver's Torch. I mean, it, it's playable, but it doesn't feel like it fits our, our deck super well. Uh, oh, the Late Green Dragon, pick seven. There's also a Circle of the Moon Druid, Compelled Duel, I think, yeah. on the Dragon. Yeah, I've been generally disappointed with the Dragon as far as the Dragons are concerned, but it is still a six, like it's still a 4-4 four, four flyer. Can't be that upset with mm -hmm. it, but it does seem to be the yeah, worst of we the have Dragons. To, we do have to be considering now that we have teleportation circle. So anything that can, uh, you know, combine well with that seems pretty good. I'm going to take a half elf monk here. There's a dueling rapier, neverwinter dryad, ranger's longbow. Nothing super exciting here. Uh, we're starting to get back down into the junk. Uh, ace, your ambush on the road. I think I'll grab the mace. It's, it's whatever. You can play it on turn two. And we are a little lacking in two drops. I'm going to take a dawnbringer cleric here just to fit that. One next, other consideration. Uh, one other consideration here is there's a Dawnbringer Cleric in this pack, but there's also a You Hear Something on the on Watch, and we don't have any removal yet. So we might want the You Hear Something on Watch, but we also, the Dawnbringer Cleric yeah. pairs really well with Teleportation Circles, so, you know, that's kind of a toss-up there. I grab that You Hear Something on Watch. I, I think we do actually have to have a plan for interacting with our opponent, unfortunately. Uh, it's kind of down to the junk. There's a Blink Dog, a Half-Elf Monk, and an Unexpected Windfall. Or more nonsense, another Half-Elf Monk. Oh yeah, so I realized... I've been trying to say this thought for like five minutes. With effects that let both you and your opponent draw cards, there's a few reasons to put them in the deck. We didn't wield a flump, sadly. Uh, you think your deck is better than your opponent's, and your cards on average are just going to be better, then yeah, uh, play that kind of effect. Anyway, back into pack, uh, pack three, pick one. We open the Dragon Turtle, first off-color rare, I guess. There's also Cleric Class, Critical Hit, Goblin Morningstar. And There's also a potion of healing, wild. which I like with the teleportation circle, but it's got to be cleric class, right? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. There's a cleric class hiding in here, and uh, we we could use a few more ways to gain life, but cleric class has just been pretty good. I'd like to see some more repetitive life gain stuff, but I'll, I'll take it. Oof. We got past a Vorpal sword, and you see a pair of goblins, Celestial Unicorn, which did wheel in pack one. I think we want to try to wheel that. Uh, there's... Now, looking at the stuff in our colors, there's a Ranger's Longbow, but I'm on the Owlbear here. Oh, yeah. Easy Owlbear. Like you said, we don't have a ton of life gain stuff yet, and the first Celestial Unicorn did wheel. I don't think we've let those colors be open since that time, so I think we're good to go mm -hmm. here. And into pack three, pick three, we see a Steadfast Paladin, another Dawnbringer Cleric, and a Potion of Healing. That's the third Potion of Healing we've seen in three packs, so that's something. We'll probably get one of them back. But there's also a Purple Worm yeah. in this pack which I've, I've liked at the top end of a lot of things. We do have a green dragon on our top end, and we might actually just want the cleric because of our teleportation circle. But, you know, a lot of good pack, a lot of good cards in this pack. Yeah, we're a little bit lacking on two drops. I'm going to take the cleric here. I think now it's our time to start figuring out what this deck still needs to be the best it can be. This deck kind of wants to go into late game, grind it out, and really take advantage of some of these late game engines. So I think cleric to mop up any random enchantments or... Uh, kind of just stabilized by gaining life is going to be good here. Ooh, some uh, potential options here. We've got a portable hole, which can teleportation circle flicker that? It can, right? <laughs> uh, I believe it can. Yeah, it can hit artifacts or creatures. So you can move That's that around funny. a little bit. 
Also in this pack, though, there's an Intrepid Outlander, which I've been pretty impressed with. We are a little light on removal. Uh, just checking, we have 19 creatures and 7 non-creatures, and some of those non-creatures are Deck of Many Things and Teleportation Circle. Uh, I'm going to take the Outlander, but we haven't really seen much removal in our colors. That's true, but this is a, a set of colors that is rather light on removal. Like You were, you were kind of relying on the uh, fight stuff as well as, um, you know, basically you hear something on watch. Mm-hmm. Wow, this pack we see a Brunor Battlehammer, 50 feet of rope. There's a Dragon's Fire, an Inspiring Bard, and an Evolving Wilds. Is it nuts to take the Evolving Wilds here? Or are we taking Dragon's Fire and trying to splash it off of treasure? Well, there's also a, a Circle of the Moon Druid, but this is tough. I, I don't hate taking the Dragon's Fire and speculating, but Evolving Wilds is always a safe pick when you don't know what to do. Yeah, that's true. Let's go with the E-Wilds. I think we're going to get a single good hard removal spell. Uh, we have in this next pack pick six, plus two mace, Dwarfhold Champ, uh, Direwolf Prowler, a Find the Path, Leather Armor, and some cards not in our color. I, I think I'll stick with the two drop. I'll take the Dwarfhold Champion. We, we might have a small equipment sub theme. I'm not sure if we're going to be playing the mace and the torch or not, but can't hurt to have it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's more likely to make our deck than any of the other cards in this pack, so it's a fine pickup. I doubt it. we'll see it played, but... It's an option. Oh, wow, we just wow. got a pick seven owlbear, uh, but there's also a uh, the green removal spell as well. Of the hunt. Yeah, I think we have to take it. There's a veteran dungeoneer and a chooser weapon in this pack too, but look, it's our one removal spell. We got to make this thing count. Next yeah. up, pick eight, we have a Amapashar. We have a temple, the dragon queen, bullet, find the path, dawnbringer cleric. Hmm, what do you think? I'd probably just take the cleric, yeah. It's another two drop. It synergizes well with our teleportation circle. It's another life gain sub-theme. We did wheel one of the potions of healing, so I don't hate taking that here. It's kind of the only card in the pack that we Good. care about. And we wheeled this second the second celestial gain. unicorn. Yeah, it looks like we're going to try to amp up this life gain. And we we don't have too many repeated uh, life gain enablers. We're going to pick up a wild shape. We're getting to the end of it. I actually would have taken the plummet in that pack. I think plummet's main deckable in this format because a lot of the threats that you oh. can't deal with are flyers, but that's mm. okay. Point. Well, we just round out with some other stuff. Another inspiring bard, a plus two mace. Wow, we got a uh, eighty whole gems off of this one. Well, it was an entire rare draft, basically. So <laughs> that's true. There's some power here. Uh, we just have to make sure we stay alive in time to use it, right? Sure. So we are pretty What's heavy up? on the threes. Uh, we can trim the, the Blink build. Dog, trim the Gloom Stalker, probably trim the plus two Mace and the Dwarfold Champion. We probably even get rid of the Delver's Torch. I don't think any of these things are going to be what we want to be doing. We have a high enough spell density that like equipping isn't really what we're looking to do, and we have a high enough mana curve that, again, it's probably going to be pretty hard to do that. Could probably cut the Null Hunter, too, if we want to go down more two drops, but uh, we might want to look elsewhere first. I like going down a Half-Elf Monk. We have two of them, and... We really don't need to. And maybe an inspiring bard as well. Yeah, we, are, we do have three of those. Honestly, if we're trying to leverage... This is tough. Half-Elf Monk can serve as a removal spell in a pinch. Like, tapping something down feels like it's going to be pretty important to this deck. But so let's let's cut one of those and also an inspiring bard. Yeah, we can't just jam infinite four drops, right? Uh, this Ranger's Hawk is looking a little suspicious here. It doesn't yeah. really pair very well with our game plan of going long. Uh, it would rather kind of attack in for a bunch early and then game get closed out and then uh, venture as a last resort i think we can find better stuff to do early the darnbringer clerics the potion paladin I, I think we can leave the null hunter in yeah this deck feels like it wants to be attacking the celestial unicorns don't really block super well 
Uh, even if you can trigger life gain, then they're still only blocking with three toughness. So those would rather be turning sideways. Clister Gargoyle, what do you think? Is it making it in? Yeah, so we don't really have any ways to... Comp like, that's our only venture card at this point. So, oh, I guess we do have the Varus and the Troubadour. That's true. So, we do have a couple of ways to, to get venturing through. And I think with the Troubadour, it's going to be almost a guarantee we get through one dungeon at least. Mm -hmm. So, I would like to keep it. It's a great, great attacker when it does turn online. And until then, it's a great blocker. So, I think it's yeah, fine to true. keep. Um, otherwise... Do we really? I want to keep the deck of many things in, but I almost feel like we that that goes against our game plan as well. But in the five drop slot, we don't have a ton going on. Well, I think this deck's vector is to make it to the late game and take over. I think it wants That's to true. grind, trade off, stabilize, and then eventually overtake with some busted top game threat like the teleportation circle, blinking altar guard ranger a bunch of times. That seems like a great way to win a game. Yeah, uh, or blinking inspiring bard to gain through life every turn. Yeah. Green Dragon, I think, is looking a little suspect at the top end there. This deck won't always want to turn sideways. I think this game, this deck will play out a lot where uh, you, you will play things out, trade a bit in the early game, and then eventually board stall. I think this deck actually wants to board stall because the late game is so favored. Deck of many things, teleportation circle, uh, even cleric class, and some of these other repeatable life gain payoffs. If you make it past turn like seven or eight, I don't see how this deck loses. Does Green Dragon, it, it, it kind of fits more in the attacking sub-theme, right? Like, I think you'd want to be attacking with these cards uh, to really kind of force some damage through. It, we're, we're kind of split between two vectors here because the life gain stuff does want to attack. It, the Sylvan Shepherd has to attack the Unicorns we said are better attackers than blockers. This deck is a little bit confused, but I'm pretty excited. I think it's going to be fun. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, we do have the Grandmaster of Flowers as far as, like, a top-end bomb goes. Like, if we really need that big flyer in the air, like, if we ever get to turn him into a creature, I don't see how we lose. And you can mm. just rely... The one the one awkward thing that we are missing out on here, and you don't really need to hit something strong with the deck of many things. It needs to be strong enough to threaten your opponent to the point where they're like, well, I can't just take attacks from this every turn, but I also can't block it because either situation results in me losing. But we don't have a ton of removal, so getting things into their graveyard is going to mean trading creatures most likely when mm. we can and if we can. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. Um, but obviously, like, otherwise it's drawing you cards and such, so it's it's just a great card. I don't, see, I don't really see why we would cut it. I think Dragon's potentially cuttable. I, I kind of see what you're saying there, and again... If we can never turn the Grandmaster into a dragon, then we don't really need the flying presence. And Elder Guard Ranger blocks other dragons well, so we don't need to use it to like gum up the, the air really. And then Half Elf Monk yeah. will get rid of anything else that we that we need. So yeah, I could see cutting the uh, the green dragon there. Well, we need two more cuts. So right now, for, for the listener, we have Cleric Class, two Dawnbringer Clerics, Potion of Healing, Steadfast Paladin, You Hear Something on Watch, Null Hunter, Intrepid Outlander, two Celestial Unicorns, Cloister Gargoyle, Lurking Roper, Spoils of the Hunt, Sylvan Shepherd, Varus Silvery Moon Ranger, One Half Elf Monk, Teleportation Circle, Grandmaster of Flowers, Two Inspiring Bards, Wandering Troubadour, Elter Guard Ranger, Owlbear, Deck of Many Things, Green Dragon. Yeah, this is these are tough tough cuts. Oh, also flickering owlbear. Oh, man. oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you're really doing it if you're flickering owl bear. It does kind of non-bow with the deck of many things because you really want your hand gone for that card. But oh, if you you're know, in that scenario, boo hoo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you also have the choice not yeah. to do that should you happen to draw into the deck of many things. So yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, 
If that's your biggest problem, you're probably winning the game anyway. So we do have, I mean, if we cut the green dragon, we have one other cut to make, and I don't think that's necessarily a clear cut. I it be no think hunter? it's probably no hunter, yeah. Were you thinking the same thing? It's either that or one of the four drops. Having double bard feels good because it pairs really well with the uh, the life game plan of the, the roper. And uh, the, the circle. Unicorn. And the circle, yeah. I feel like inspiring bard is going to be kind of our stock circle hit. Even gaining three life a turn is, that's a lot. That's a big chunk. But we do have a lot of four drops. I'm a little suspicious of our curve. Yeah, the curve is looking kind of weird at the moment. Um, I can't really see cutting any of the other fours, though. I mean, our whole deck kind of relies on the teleportation circle. Like, we we really did kind of draft into that card. The half-elf monk is like pseudo-removal for us, but are we ever actually going to keep the mana up to use it? That is the big question for me. Otherwise, the inspiring yeah. card synergizes well with the rest of the deck, and the troubadour is cuttable, but if we cut the troubadour, it makes the cloister gargoyle way worse, so I don't think we should cut it. I think I'm in to cut the dragon and the half-elf monk. All right, sometimes uh, you just happen to go through a draft where you just do not get removal spells. We did have the option to take that dragon's fire, but that would have been a little bit uh, a little bit loose. We would have had to venture in order to be able to cast it. So that would have occasionally wound up in our opening hand without the Troubadour, Varus, or the Outlander, and it would have looked pretty stupid. Uh, we do have an E-Wild, so that would have given us two red sources. I don't know if we had the E-Wilds at that point, though. I don't know. I think we no, probably No, the E-Wilds right was call. the same pick. It was the Dragon's Fire or the E-Wilds that we were debating. Oh, 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 you're right, you're right. So I think we probably made the right pick because we do have some tough mana costs here. We've got uh, Master Flowers and Varus, and uh, fixing in this set is, as we all know, kind of rough. So I think this is fine. We have the you hear something on watch and we have the spoils and we're just going to get them back with the deck of many things over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's there's something to be said, too, which I think a lot of the pros will talk about when new sets come out on Twitter. Um, and that's kind of that, like we used to have their limited formats used to be designed such that like removal was like the thing you had to have and you had to get your hands on most of the removal. Nowadays, it's generally better to just draft threats because your opponents aren't going to be drafting enough removal to deal with all of your threats. So if you have more threats than they do and you have more removal than they do, or like if you have more threats than they have removal and more threats than they have threats because they're playing removal, well, you're kind of favored to win because you have threats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the camp of cutting the half-elf monk here. Sure. I don't know if this deck is good, but I'm certainly even going to have fun playing it. This looks really fun. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Layer of the Hydra hanging out in there. I haven't gotten to activate this one yet. Is it is it good? I haven't drafted it, but it seems pretty solid. I mean, it's just like okay, I don't have anything in hand. Like imagine, imagine you top deck Layer of the, or I guess imagine you have the top, the the Layer of the Hydra out, right? You top deck deck of many things. You can cast a deck of many things, and the next turn you can just like play the land you draw and dump all your mana into the layer and like just save a couple extra to use the deck, like. I don't know. It seems seems pretty solid to me. Yeah, this is on turn 10. This is like a 10 10. Well, I guess that's it's a nine, impossible. Nine. All right. On turn 10, it's that assumes you hit it. All right. On turn 10, it's going to be like a 6 6 or a 7 7 that you can just activate whenever you want. This is a really good blocker. Also a good attacker. Uh, I think just having this lurking kind of in the background, you, this feels pretty strong, especially if you're trying to do the survive until the late game thing. This is a land that can trade for pretty much anything in the format except the flyer. Yep. Man, what a draft. <laughs> yeah, this deck seems sweet. Um, you know, maybe we can record the games for, for you know, the YouTubes. 
Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, I think I will. I will have to resist playing it then until I am back up with my my full PC setup. And yeah, I think that's good. I'll record these. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. That kind of does it for us this week. That that is our AFR full draft. Uh, Definitely check out the video version on YouTube if you're interested in that. Check out the Discord if you're not already in it. And if you're interested in supporting us, definitely check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Links to all of these things are in the episode description. If you want to reach out to us outside of the Discord, you can do so on Twitter by finding me at RanikAlfredian or Ben at Betafish1. Beta as in not alpha and fish spelled with an S, C-H instead of S-H. And you can find the, the podcast directly at draftchaffpod. That does it for us this week, and we'll see you next week. Later, everybody. So there was a little bit of news out of Historic today. Did you see? Indeed, yes. Brainstorm is suspended, which is the biggest cop-out in the history of anything. I am convinced, wholeheartedly convinced, that they invented the suspension in terms of arena suspensions solely to not refund people their wild cards. I was going to ask you the exact same thing. It seems absurd. Because uh, wild cards aren't currency. They don't mean anything. No. As, as far as I know. like No, they I, don't. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you could argue they somehow play into the arena economy, but not in a meaningful way. Like, if I mean, they do, but arena makes so much money on a regular basis. They have no reason not to flood us with wild cards. People spend their money on events and will buy packs regardless. Like, they should not be this stingy with wild cards. Or there should be a I conversion think, uh, pro situation where you can like convert commons into uncommons into rares into mythics, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say I think the wild card system is one of my least favorite parts about arena. I'm, you still see my stream? Can you can you mm -hmm. see how many uh, how many of each I have? Yeah, you've got a lot. Yeah, a lot. Uh, so I've got 499 common wild cards, 756 uncommon wild cards, 17 rare, eight mythic, and I have 100% uh, of every set except. Uh, AFR, which I'm like above 95 on. So uh, even if there was something like 100 commons to a mythic, that'd be great. I would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, or like 10 uncommons to a rare. Uh, please, <laughs> Arena. <laughs> yeah, like almost anything at this point. It's 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 really sad because they the, the, the sad part is they don't need to do any of this. They keep their players regardless. It doesn't matter how they treat players. Players continue to come back. We, us included. Like, we're, we're part... I try my best not to put money into the game. Like, I will mm -hmm. grind gold until I have enough to do another draft, and that's... Like, I'm just not going to put more cash into the game. And I'm certainly not buying packs. Like, that's just not a thing I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, no. Um, you know, it, it does. It really sucks when you're kind of stopped by, like... I can't play this game. And then they're also, they're adding artificial layers on top of that to prevent you from being able to get back the resources you've already put into it when you can't even play the cards that you just spent your resources on. So, and then it also like, even, even the, here are some wild cards for your banned card isn't really <laughs> enough in most situations either, because a lot of decks are more than just the banned card. And if, if you ban that mm -hmm. one card, that's the problem. The deck is unplayable, but you just spent a bunch of wild cards on a ton of other stuff in the deck. So, yeah, yeah, there's a huge problem with it. I don't know exactly what the solution is. I think to start, they should just be more generous, like make it much, much easier to get wild cards. Maybe that involves the conversion program. Maybe that just means you give them away at a higher rate or there are easier ways to earn them. Like, I don't know what the what the exact solution is. Maybe you should get a, a rare wild card every three packs open instead of every six or something like that. I 
I don't know, but something needs to be done, and I don't think they're going to do it. <laughs> well, I have a, a recommendation uh, to solve all your arena economy woes. If you say get good, no. I'm going to slap you from across the the internet. Uh, it was some variation of that, so I think we can just end it there. <laughs>